0: 18 plus. 18 plus.
1: The Offside Rule,
0: we get It's brought to you by Continental Tires.
2: Hello and welcome to the Offside Rule podcast. We get it, that's right. We're back for another week. We're nearing the end of the season. Things should be hotting up at this stage of the Premier League title race, but actually it's all a bit boring and predictable. But anyway, we are never boring. We are never predictable because I am, of course, joined as ever by my lovely two friends of the Offside Rule podcast who helped me out this weekend when I was dying with a horrific hangover following the PFA Awards. And I'm very grateful for both of your help. Thank you.
3: Lindsay Hooper. Oh, you're welcome. In fact, 24 hours delay to this podcast being recorded because you were so bad. And when Hayley's saying it's coming towards the end of the season, that means... Award season, doesn't it? Which means Hayley gets lots of invites. Myself and Kate don't get so many, do we?
1: No, hello. (laughs) Hello, everyone. Uh, Lindsay and I um, just offer to sweep up after the awards. Maybe we go and um, sit in the stars places so people can rehearse. No, no, no really. We, we, we don't tend to go to too many.
2: Uh, three big topics today of course as ever and we also have a women's Super League roundup with Sue Smith today as well. Um, one of our topics is all about behaviour. So stay in your room and don't come out <laughs> set by Kate says so We're all kicked off at the AC Milan game last week and not in the usual way. So poor was their performance against Udinese, they were ordered to stay at the training ground until they started behaving like real football players. So real school kind of behaviour, treatment, punishment there. So it's inspired us to this final topic which we're going to have a lot of fun with. So we're going to play mum. Kate is actually a mum and we have baby Arthur in the background somewhere just enjoying himself today. So if he pops up with the odd squeal and, and laughter that,
3: that's what that is. I hope he hasn't found your cocktail bar. <laughs> Or my my birthday present that you got me, which is like suggested cocktail bars in (laughs) London. Maybe he's out on the town. Maybe he's gone on the bus. Cocktail bars running dry after the weekend. Um, But
2: anyway, we're going to look at players, teams and managers who need a telling off. And we're going to figure out how we're going to tell them off. So there we have it. Now there's the great divide as well. I struggle with this topic Mm. because, of course, I was born in England, grew up in Scotland, had a dad who represented Scotland. If I played football internationally, who would I pick, England or Scotland? Mm. We have a few young starlets who are making their name. And at the moment, one of those is Jack Grealish of Aston Villa and and people desperate to make sure that he picks the right country to play for. OK, so we're going to have a look at other players who've actually turned down opportunities to play for one country, perhaps that they were born in and picked another one instead. It might have worked out for them amazingly, or they could have been so great, a little bit like Ryan Giggs, who decided to opt for Wales. Would have loved to have seen him in an England shirt. The female take on football. We start, however, with the PFA Awards. We saw that team of the season, didn't we? Which was fantastic. But maybe there
3: are a couple of people who we think were missing. So we're going to put two players... Into the team. I was actually at the Jose Mourinho press conference ahead of the Leicester game, and he believes that of course he does, yeah. that it should Good, be all okay. Chelsea players. <laughs> all of it. As you do, Mourinho, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> but we're gonna make two substitutes. So you've got to take two out and put two new players in, is what you're telling me.
2: If we can get Ruth with we'll it, there are too many Chelsea players in it. We know the title's pretty much wrapped up. Speaking of titles, did you see the news this week about the Algerian League? It's like the the Premier League of Algeria. Yeah. So there are 16 teams. Any one of those teams could still could still go down or still win. So the team at the bottom at the uh, at the moment, Hussein Day. <laughs> Hussein Day and uh, ASO Chief and Bell Abbas who are in the relegation zone could still potentially finish in the top three I mean so there you go so we, we need to start maybe following some of the other more random leagues to get that excitement back so it's all the battle for fourth uh, at the moment uh, in the league so we're going to be focusing now On a couple of players who we would like to bring into the Premier League starting eleven for the end of the season and team of the year. Let's take you through the team that actually won. So we have David de Gea in goal, who was there at the awards, which was great to see, along with Wayne Rooney. They weren't very happy, though, were they, after the result at the weekend? Not great. They literally dessert, spoons down, and they were out there um, yeah, uh, as quick as Harry Kane who was also in there as well and won of course the main award along with Eden Hazard so we had a back four of Ivanovic, Cahill, Terry and Bertrand Sanchez, Matic, Coutinho and Hazard with Costa and Kane in there as well so as you've probably heard enough from me
3: right now I normally take over the first topic I shall hand you over to Lindsay Hooper well I'm going to make Jose Mourinho happy because I'm going to put another Chelsea player in oh look at the size but I do think that one player in particular has been overlooked looked so I'm sorry Kate Borset I think he's had a great season I think he's a special player but I'm taking Coutinho out and I'm putting Fabregas in if I'm having a midfield for a PFA team of the year how can it not have a player that's had most assists in the league was instrumental in Chelsea's first half of the season in particular uh, the charge when they went unbeaten for 22 games so Fabregas is in there for me Um, and then I'm going to have a shuffle in defence because I'm not going to do a like for like switch what I'm going to do is I'm going to Bring in Nathaniel Klein. Me
1: too. Me too.
3: Um, From Southampton as right back. I think he's been brilliant. And if you look at the two best teams, in the whole league this season in terms of defence, Southampton and Chelsea have the best defensive records. Mm. So I think it should be evenly split, two yeah. players each. At the moment, we've got Ivanovic, Terry and Cahill. So I'm going to take Cahill out. And Ivanovic can play right-sided centre-back. He has done before. So I'm going to move him into that position. And I'm going to have Nathaniel Klein in and um, and have the the wings covered um, with, with Bertrand out on the left as well. So... For me, it equals things up and, and makes it good. Those are my two subs.
1: Well, I actually just did a straight swap for Ivanovic and then Klein coming in there. Who, like you said, has had an incredible season, a breakthrough season. I think we can call it, can't we? Twenty-four years old. Um, he's going to go somewhere in the in the summer, isn't he? Likely.
3: I saw him last week um, down at Southampton, and it was a beautiful day. And it was quite funny, because you'd never know what to do when you see people. I'd interviewed him about all of his tattoos and different things early on in the season, and uh, we sort of acknowledged each other. And then you go in for the kiss, um, which is, you're like, well, do I do one cheek? And then we did two cheeks, so I thought it was continental. And then he went, do you do three? And I went, Nathaniel, you never do three. (laughs) This
2: was weird, actually. There's a picture in the Daily Mail that um, (laughs) my friend Bianca sent me, Bianca Westwood, because there's a picture of me and Gordon Taylor in the Daily Daily Mail website. I was like, oh... And the moment, it looks like we're just having a laugh. It was that really embarrassing moment. So he came up to me, he went to shake my hand, but I had a glass of champagne in the left hand and my handbag, the clutch bag in the right hand, so I couldn't shake his hand. So I, I went in for the kiss and he actually just backed off and literally was up against the boarding. And I kind of laughed and this, this moment was caught on camera and it's in the Daily So it looks like I'm telling him this, the most amazing joke, but I've just gone in for a bit of a side cheek kiss and he, he wasn't feeling very comfortable about that. So it was all a bit
3: awkward. So funny say that because i saw that picture um i i had to buy the daily mail the other day and um and i was just doing a flick online and you came up and i actually thought to myself hayley's told a really good joke there
2: <laughs> no the joke was on me at the end of the day because he, he, he didn't want to kiss
1: who knows it's such a great picture can come from such an awkward situation i saw your mate i was at southampton the other weekend i saw your mate gordon gordon strachan there Aww. we were up in the Matt Laetitia, uh, suite. With or room, whatever, uh, with uh, a friend of mine. But earlier on in the day, I had a bit of a clangor. Um, obviously, I'm a, huge, oh, no. I'm a huge Liverpool fan. Uh, and uh, Liverpool fans, Bolton fans, Southampton fans will know Sammy Lee, of course. Guess who greeted me in my pyjamas on Saturday morning? It was Sammy Lee who was at the door collecting my friend's husband to go to the game. There's, there's me in my pyjamas. I've, <laughs> I've got my thick-rimmed black glasses on. I've got a baby in my hand. I have probably got sick running down my pyjama leg. And there was Sammy Lee, and I was like oh, hello, (laughs) all right then, yeah, okay. (laughs) And he's like, all right there, (laughs) hello.
2: It's moments like that where you hope they don't recognise you, they they just have the vision in their head of what you should look like when you're on screen or reporting, and then there's the actual real person, like the three of us sat here now in Mm -hmm. our casuals.
1: I'll go really quick through the rest of mine. So, yeah, um, Nathaniel Klein, who I put in for Ivanovic, Um, and then I also have brought in Charlie Austin. Now... After the penalty miss? After the penalty miss, because I don't think he should be judged on that penalty miss. And I also think he needs more accolades than he's getting for making the transfer from the championship up to the Premier League. First time he's been in the Premier League so effortlessly. And I know, and I know he's been, he was better at the beginning of the season, but it is the team of the year. So who are you taking out? Well, this is my problem. You see, I can't really take Harry Kane out, can I? No. I can't, I can't really argue with 30 goals a season. Who would you suggest? I can't take Costa out. You're going to have to. I told you, forced substitution. Harry Kane goes then. 17 goals for 31 games for Charlie Austin. Um, OK, fluffed the penalty at the weekend, but he's more than excelled over the course of the season, and that's why I think he des- deserves an accolade. And it's, it's about time he had some more English players in there as well, even though I'm getting rid of Harry Kane. <laughs> I had Nathaniel Klein as well, so we all went for that one. So I think
2: that is uh, unanimous. Um, being a Manchester United fan, I thought I'd just stick a red oh in there as well. God. There's Liverpool in there, Chelsea, you know. Um, and I think I would take out possibly Matic, maybe Coutinho, thinking get rid of maybe a Liverpool player perhaps. But I'm going to bring in uh, Ander Herrera. Now, you probably will laugh at me because he's not had the most consistent of seasons because he didn't start out very well did he he wasn't a regular starter but he's grown and grown in confidence whereas Klein it's been a breakthrough season for Herrera Herrera it's been (laughs) Herrera it's it's been a season where he needed to break through he's Set to earn his first Spain cap as well. He's just one player of the month. Um, He's been absolutely brilliant. Uh, Michael Carrick, consistent as well. Great defensive midfielder. Um, So slotting him in there, only actually Antonio Valencia um, has had more touches per game than Herrera in the Premier League, which I was quite surprised at average more accurate passes per game than any other player so those are my changes for now my other little story from the pf award, pfa awards i'd love to put fabregas in there because he's just so nice he's lovely he's such a a lovely guy he came over and he was like hey Hayley. He came over to the table and shook my hand and he was like how are you doing you good you well i was like yeah yeah good to see you. i think i have met him before i've never interviewed him as such um and he said oh my mate Dave would really like a picture with you. I was like, okay, cool. So I got up and. What? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, okay, his mate Dave. I was like, oh, okay. He's like, yeah, he's, you're, you're his favourite. And he was just saying he really would like a picture with you. I was like, oh, great. So I went over to their table and he was stood there with his agent and there was Rooney and De Gea and Ashley Young. Oh, and Dave. So I went over and I was like, and he was like, hey, this is my mate Dave. And they all started laughing. It was Aspila Quetta. <laughs> yeah. I was like, really? I was like, I said, I should be asking for a picture with you. He's like, oh no, you do a really good job on Sky. It's great to see you. So we had a little chat. Um, yeah, he's tiny, isn't yeah, he? he is tiny. Uh, well, I want to know what the height difference was between you and your heels
1: yeah. and Dave.
2: He's, I think he's about five foot ten, which is almost what I am without my heels. So yeah, I wasn't towering above him, but um, he, he was quite slight. But he was, oh, what a, what a lovely group of guys they are. So they were really polite, really lovely, and uh, yeah.
1: That's my claim to fame now. There you go. What was he wearing? Because I interviewed Dave once oh. and he was wearing a little sparkly jumper and little sparkly trainers. Oh. And I just thought he, he looked really cute. He actually looked like he was Justin Bieber's mate or something. So I'd oh. l- love to know how he dressed up. Was there any sparkle involved in Dave's suit? Just
2: in his eyes when oh. he met me. Only kidding. No, he had a nice black tailored suit on, I think, with a bow tie. All very straightforward. There you have it.
4: I'm Gary Neville and you're listening to The Offside Rule.
2: Right, so swiftly moving on. Jack Grealish grabbing the headlines at the moment. A lot of focus on which national team he should be playing for, Ireland or England. So we're going to run you through a couple of players who chose other countries to represent instead of the country that they were maybe born in or whatever. So... Here we have it. Let's start with UK. you, you give us You give us your, your guys or even women who should have maybe picked another country are actually probably glad that they stayed with the one that they selected in the first place.
3: Just before Kate starts, by the way, you found so many for this, didn't you? It's not very often that Kate sends you a message and goes, here you go, girls, if you're struggling, got loads more, (laughs) loads and loads. It's like, where have you been finding all these? I have actually got my own ones, but let's see what you've got.
1: (laughs) Tim Cahill. Now, uh, when he was um, 14 and actually at under 20 level, he played for Western Samoa. Uh, We all famously know him, of course, having played for Australia. Um, But at that time, there was no way that he was going to know how his talent was going to develop. He was only 14, Um, so played for Western Samoa. Um, And at that time, there was no way he could, once he'd chosen his country, even as an adolescent, he couldn't then um, defect and go to another country. But as luck would have it, FIFA changed those rules in 2004 and meant that uh, you didn't have to make a decision as a young adult about your future international playing career. So a huge... Huge relief for him. Of course, we all know what happened to Tim Cahill, who became incredibly famous uh, for playing not only in England, but also for the Socceroos as well. Um, Tim Sherwood, um, he um, uh, has been talking recently about having the same situation with Nabil Benteleb as, uh, w- as is what's uh, going on with Jack Grealish. He said that Nabil Benteleb obviously he could have played for France, but he decided to pick Algeria. I think he's missing a trick after hearing about the Algerian League. I thought he go for broken play in the Algerian League. Very exciting, it sounds, too. <laughs> Apparently, Sherwood's advice to Bentelev was uh, uh, that you have to go with your heart. Do you think you're French or do you think you're Algerian? Is that true? Should you go with your heart on these situations or should you think about future accolades? Should you think about the opportunities that you might get with a bigger team? And this is obviously some of the angst that Jack Grealish is having. Mm. I don't know.
3: I think you should go with your heart, really, and you should represent the country that you've. Known. No, I think, but like James Morrison, who could have played for England, thinking never going
2: to be good enough to play no. for England, so he selected Scotland. His granddad is Scottish, so he do- did have that. He's definitely more English. He'd only ever spent time in Scotland visiting his grandparents, but I think if that were me and I just wasn't quite good enough or didn't think I was going to be good enough to represent the bigger nation, I'd
3: select the other one so I'd get a game. No, but I think you should just work harder and harder and harder and try and get your way into that that team. Anyway, we'll just disagree on that one, <laughs> Hayley McQueen. John Barnes for me, yes. because I did um, I did a sit-down interview with him when I was at Liverpool at 60 Minutes with John Barnes, and we talked a lot about when he was in Jamaica. Mm. Um, born in Jamaica, in Kingston, mm. uh, was there till in, until around 12 years old, and then he came to England. Was he
1: not eight when he came to. England? what was it? Was he, I thought I thought it was eight when he came to England. Was he not? No, he was. I think he was about twelve, actually, from recollection. But that could have just been a holiday when he was eight. That,
3: <laughs> that you remembered
1: once. Yeah, that, that Kate remembers.
3: <laughs> Um, and of course he went on to choose England and had a blistering career international career, I'm so pleased he did he's one of my favourite players um, and a delight to talk to as well so I wanted to mention him uh, but my, my actual main pick was Patrick Vieira because I thought that was a very interesting one um, he chose France over Senegal, um, was born in Dakar um, moved to France, he was 8 when he moved to France if you're talking <laughs> ages um, he went on to represent France 107 times but not only that, when you when Haley gives her point about choosing the right team of course France would have been much more difficult to get in than Senegal team but still Vieira was so good and not only that he was part of the World Cup winning side on home soil in France in 1998 Mm -hmm. and then the Euros two years later uh, he made the right choice and went for the harder the harder decision as well um but Patrick Vieira would be my choice in that one I have to also with a little bit of tongue-in-cheek mention Tom Ince and say you know. Maybe there's no nation for him because I don't think he's going to be playing for England after declining the under-21s. Mm.
1: That's an interesting
3: one. It is, it is. Well,
2: I'm going to mention an Albanian who made his name in the English leagues but represented Finland and also known as the um, Flying Finn for his belly flop celebrations. That's right. <laughs> he scored eight goals from 62 appearance, Shefki Kuchi. There you go, yeah. So he was actually, he's actually of Albanian descent, grew up there, but came over as a, a Kosovo-Albanian um, refugee to Finland because of all the, the troubles in the country uh, at that time. He's the manager at the moment of FC Honka. Honka, is, it's my most favourite football team name. It's great. Yeah, he, he obviously played for Sheffield Wednesday, it was Switch, Blackburn, Palace, Fulham, Swansea, Oldham, um, Newcastle United as uh, well. So he went on to play for Finland. He was welcomed with open arms and never represented uh, Albania. So there you have it. He did actually play he, he he played a lot of youth football in Albania, but but chose to take on and represent Finland because they'd given him so much, he gave them that back. Giuseppe Rossi, just sounds purely Italian, doesn't he? Well, actually, no, he was born and brought up in the USA, in New Jersey. Bruce Arena, who was the American coach at the time, when he was growing up and, and knew of this Rossi, who was playing brilliant football, was one of the ones to watch, said, I really want you to come and join a training camp, play with us. He was like, absolutely not, I'm going to represent Italy. Two years later, got a brace against USA for Italy in the Confederations Cup as they won three so There was definitely no looking back for him, but he could have played for the United States. There you go. Right, there we have it. Lots of uh, footballers in the uh, Women's League actually making their name out in the United States at the moment, but let's focus on what's been happening in the Women's Super League. Now with Sue
4: Smith, over to you, Sue.
2: The WSL Roundup. Brought to you
4: by Continental Tires. Okay, I'm going to start off with Arsenal against Sunderland. Natalia opened the scoring for Arsenal with a, shall we say, cross come shot. If it was me, I'd have definitely said it was a shot, but quite debatable if I'm honest. Okay, Beth Mead then equalised for Sunderland. Rachel Finesse made it with a great header. She rose really high, got the flick on, which meant that Beth could run through and, and scored with with that little bit of class that we we know she's got. Arsenal, then, they needed to change something. So they brought on Kelly Smith and straight away, she was the difference. Nice bit of play from, from Kelly, got herself into the penalty box. Abby Joyce completely took her out with, with what I thought was a, a pretty bad challenge. You know, Kelly went down injured, looked in some discomfort. Thankfully, it wasn't her knee, it was her ankle, but she was stretched off and, and we all hope that she's going to be okay. Holmes was actually sent off for that incident. She was sent off for the challenge. So Sunderland were down to 10 players. Natalia made no mistake scoring her second from the spot. Humphreys added a third for Arsenal before Dan Carter added a fourth with a great strike from outside the box. So the game finished 4-1. Obviously, Sunderland going down to 10 players didn't help them, but Arsenal just managed to up the gear a little bit more to, to win the game. Okay, next on to Chelsea against Birmingham. Birmingham have struggled a little bit this year with injuries to key players, the likes of Karen Carney and and Jade Moore. So it was going to be a tough test for them against Chelsea, who are absolutely flying at the moment. Chelsea created lots of chances, but actually only managed to score one goal. And that came from Katie Chapman. It was a strike from a corner. She sort of looped it over the the goalkeeper. It did seem like a a really hard-fought game, and that just shows Chelsea are able to now, they can, they can mix it with if they need to fight, if they need to get that sort of defensive display, they can do that. But then they also show their class when they're in front of goal and, and their style of play has remained the same. And, and for me, they look really, really strong this season. Bristol Academy played Notts County without their usual manager, Dave Edmondson, who they parted company with early on in the week. So assistant coach Lauren Smith was in temporary charge for their game. For me, Bristol just need to start playing with some confidence at times. They look a little bit like they're not enjoying their football, but I suppose that's going to come with, with winning games. The first goal went to Notts County. A really good bit of play led to Aileen Whelan converting the, the chance. Rach Williams then had his second, and Fern Whelan scored an absolute bullet header to make it three. Think the game was all over? Guess again. Bristol showed fantastic character, character to get back into the game, scoring two goals, firstly through Sophie Ingle and then through through Watts. Notts County, in the end, were that little bit too strong, shall we say. Rach Williams added her second and Notts County's fourth before Alex Greenwood scored from the penalty spot. So the game finished 5-2. Bristol, for me, still have a lot of work to do. Last, but by no means least, Liverpool played Man City on Sunday night. Liverpool haven't really had the start that they would have wanted with new players coming in and it that takes a little bit of time to gel. Not really taking their chances and, and probably making a few mistakes at the back that they wouldn't have normally done. However, they got off to the perfect start here. Farrah Williams, who else, whipped in a lovely free kick and Ashuala just managed to get on the end of it and the ball went in the net. So 1-0 to Liverpool. City then were pressing for that equaliser. Nikita Paris got it. Um actually with a header, probably one of the smallest players on the pitch, but rose really, really high, managed to direct a header right perfectly into the bottom corner to make it 1-1. But Liverpool, you could see they were determined to get the three points and they were pressing for that winner, which come from Smallsguard. And it was her first goal for the club. And you could see just how much it meant to her and the rest of the team. The game finished 2-1, so Liverpool now, they've, they're have they starting to build, they're starting to play well. They had the performances, but haven't got the results. Now they've got the results, so we'll see what happens from now on. OK, next week, it's FA Cup semi-finals, so Everton play Notts County and Chelsea play Man City. And the prize is a date at Wembley Stadium for the final. How exciting is that? Oh, thank you very much for that, Sue. So heading into our
2: final topic today, stay in your room and don't come out. We're going old school punishments. As we mentioned, AC Milan last weekend, were all kicked off when... The manager and and, and the coaching staff said that the performance against Udinese was just so bad and their attitudes were just so bad that they were going to send them off the pitch into training. And until they decided that they were on their best behaviour, that they would let them out and uh, send them home and uh, come back with no lunch, no dinner perhaps, come back to training the next day, get their heads down and, um, yeah, just just start being slightly better people, better footballers and better role models. There we have it. So we're going to look at those out there at the moment who should be role models that perhaps are a bit waylaid by other things that are happening in in the world. Too much food, too much nightclubbing, (laughs) balloons, (laughs) anything really. Yeah, that's mine coming up in a moment. Yes. some some of these players or managers,
1: teams, whatever, who need a bit of an old school telling off to turn things around. Just quickly, what was your mum's favourite form of punishment? Because my mum had a few. I had... There was a green chair. Wow. And honestly,
3: this is true, there was a green chair that didn't really uh, match all the other chairs, so it, it stood out a little bit. And that was known to me as if I'd been bad. Oh. I had to sit in the green chair. And the once I remember I had a, a tantrum, maybe I was about four or five... And my 14, 15. <laughs> <laughs> and my punishment was that I was to sit in the green chair and not move. Oh dear. And if ever my mum threatened me with, wait till your dad gets home, I'd be like, thank goodness, because at least <laughs> I
1: don't <laughs> <Softie>.
2: <laughs>
3: That was mine. Similar. he said, well, just my dad, this
2: big six foot five defender, you know, tough mm. Scott. If you don't behave, I will tell your dad.
1: That was it.
3: There you go. So the green chair would be mine. How about yours, then, in terms of punishment?
1: Just that. The dad. The dad, the dad. The dad. The dad. I was sent up the stairs, and sometimes I would be threatened with the slipper. My dad had this <laughs> minging, <laughs> minging pair of moccasin slippers. Honestly, they were so old and so smelly that they could have walked out of the house on their own. And my mum would go, get up that stairs, otherwise the slipper's coming out. And she, could, my mum's my quite kind of well-spoken. And when she got angry, her voice would, just go,
2: So we've got Kate's mum, the green chair and my dad all going to visit either a player, a manager or a football team to basically
3: discipline them. Go on, Lindsay, who have you got? I'm going to put Wayne Rooney in the green chair for spitting i'm really fed up of when they do a close-up shot on match of the day and also rooney there's so much focus on him that often he gets a lot more attention from the cameras than maybe other players which is probably why i've noticed it with it it with him more even though many players do spit but for him as an example he's going to be my example he's going to be in the green chair because i don't want to see the spitting just
1: don't want to see it Um, I'm going to put. Well, in fact, at, at the weekend, I thought Sado Mane just was dropping down a little bit too often, a little bit too much, uh, a little bit too much bendy foot, divy action going on there. And I think that's, you know, you could throw that criticism out at a lot of players, couldn't you? Uh, how are we going to criticize them? I think they actually, they actually wear my dad's slippers um, because they've got more right to be falling down from wearing slippers than they do from wearing football boots. <laughs> well, this is somebody who's been wanting his cake and eating it, and I'm going to send him to a kid's
2: party and make him. <sighs> (sighs) eats as much jelly and ice cream as he can until he's sick, until he learns his lesson. And when he gets there, there's hundreds and hundreds of balloons that need blowing up. So I'm sending Raheem Sterling in to teach him a lesson for allegedly... They, these kids now are, are sucking in not just helium, where you make your voice go high, but this nitrous oxide, which is potentially harmful, apparently. Is this this hippie crack stuff?
1: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it
2: sounds really like, hippie crack. <laughs> it's just nitrous oxide, um, and it just makes you go a little bit funny. Um, it's not like a hard drug or anything like that, but allegedly quite a few of these footballers have been doing it just yeah. for a bit of fun. And if you go into various nightclubs in Liverpool, Manchester, and, and down here in London, y- you just see the odd balloon floating around. You think, oh! whose birthday is it no they're just being
3: weird i think hippie crack makes it sound much more sinister than it is tony pulis i'm gonna have to do the old-fashioned soap and water wash your mouth out i sat next to him when i was at west ham game reporting and it was quite close to the dugout and oh my word the language i heard i kept giving him a glance to go, you have got a, a lady sat here, you know. <laughs> um, but if I can call myself...
0: <laughs>
3: I knew you were going to do that. Where's the lady? Um, but I actually felt that it was too much and he should have just calmed it down a little.
1: He should have been flattered. There's no sexism from Tony Pulis, isn't there? Definitely, definitely treats the girls just like the men. <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
3: And uh, another one, The and I, I must admit I'm guilty of this myself, in fact, I'm horrified at the fact that Uh, a football commentator spotted when I was in the background of a shot that at the same time that Sam Allardyce was chewing his gum, I was chewing mine. (laughs) But I don't like the chewing gum with mouth open look, which Sam Allardyce does sometimes. So I'm going to punish him. I'm sending a whole team to Tough Mudder. Oh,
2: Yeah, or to an army training camp to discipline them, because apparently you get electrocuted in this Tough Mudder, don't you? Yeah, because they're just ill-behaved. They have Lee Catamore playing for them. So unsurprising, it's it's Sunderland. They've actually only had three dismissals, but they are top of the moment of the... um, Fair play table, as in they're at the bottom of the table. They're at the top with the highest points because they are the worst um, for their discipline. 97 cautions, three dismissals. Aston Villa have actually had the most red cards, uh, along with Swansea, but actually Swansea's yellow cards are quite low, so they're right down in the sort of slightly more well-behaved category. Villa are
3: just second close behind bad boys of Sunderland. Something for our listeners, if they want to go on YouTube and have a giggle, do you know, and I know that you've seen it, Do you know that there's a video that actually Matthew Horn from Gavin and Stacey tweeted about, which got a lot of attention, of me when I was doing regional news falling off an assault course? I was training, I was doing an army assault course with the Nottingham Panthers ice hockey team, and I fall off a rope. My friend finds this clip so amusing that it's her little pick me up treat occasionally. Um, It is really embarrassing. (laughs) I can't believe I'm telling everybody about it. But yeah, I, I think the assault course would definitely have these moments and a few injuries as a result.
2: And I tell them any, every time you get sent off or every time your discipline is, is atrocious, which is most weeks I would send them on their day off, quite often a Wednesday, to Tough Mudder. Well, thank you very much for that, girls. We'll be back, of course, next week, as usual, as the season comes to a climax mm. with plenty more to discuss up and down uh, the leagues. But thank you very much for listening you're either doing it via Audio Boom or iTunes. You can head to YouTube as well, The Offside Rule TV, for some videos. Head to Twitter. We are constantly tweeting 24 7, 365 days a year at Offside Rule Pod. Um, OffsideRulePodcast.com. For the website, there's plenty of features, blogs, brilliant stuff on there. And you can head to the Facebook page as well, The Offside Rule, and like us. There is no escaping. There's no time to mention Instagram, is
3: there? No. <laughs> I'm There's everything. You can
2: follow each of us as well, of course, individually on Twitter, Lindsay Hooper, <laughs> Kate Borsey, <laughs> or Hayley McQueen, but you best have instead following at Offside Pod because we have a team of people tweeting far more efficiently than the three of us, that's for sure, even put together. So thank you very much for listening, and we'll see you next time.
0: Bye. 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 <laughs>